Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. Can you believe our year is chugging along so fast that we are almost to Thanksgiving? What is happening? Anyway, I'm so glad that you guys are here today. You are in for a treat because it's a debut author. And any of our longtime listeners know that I get so excited when there's a debut author because I can remember the joy and terror of having your book come out and then going, okay, who do I tell? Um, <laughs> because you don't, you don't have a reader base yet. You don't have five books that have come out and so I love spreading the word about new authors new books and I know you guys love to support them and read them and you're in for a treat today we have on Elaine Roth and she has a great new women's fiction um, kind of second chance romancy book out and I can't wait for her to tell you about it she is a debut author but she is not new to publishing she has been in all kinds of magazines so I'm going to read her bio here really quick so you can get to know her and then we will hear from Elaine. So Elaine Roth is a New Jersey-based author who writes about young widowhood, grief, and dating as a solo parent. Her work has appeared on Huffington Post, Refinery29, Modern Loss, and Scary Mommy. Her story was also featured on People.com and in the New York Times. She has two kids and an adorably neurotic rescue dog who keeps her busy when she's not writing or teaching Pilates. You can read her story on her Reconstructing a Year in Hope website. I put a link to that right there on the Blog Talk site. So if you're listening live or listening later, you can check out her story there. I also put a link to her author website. And if you click that, you can find out more about the book. And I think she has a newsletter you can sign up for. Uh, so be sure to check that out too. It's right there in the show notes. So without any further delay, are you there, Elaine? I am. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you could be on today. So your first book just came out. It's called The Midnight Garden. Do you want to tell everybody about it and why they should go grab a copy this week? <laughs> sure. It's, um, it's a book about um, a young widow who uncovers the magic of everyday life and the power of second chances. There's a little bit of magical realism, a lot of themes of grief, forgiveness, guilt, um, there's a little bit of a, there's a love story and both characters kind of navigating their own grief to get to finally um, get to where these, they're supposed to be in life. I won't say more than that. <laughs> no uh, And then, well, yes, I just caught myself. And then, uh, <laughs> and why everyone should get it, I would hope everyone, you know, I think, unfortunately, everyone kind of understands grief in their own way. And I think there's the story brings a lot of hope into the world, so we could all use a little bit of that. Yes, for and sure. And I I noticed your main character's name is Hope. <laughs> yes, that was intentional. <laughs> I love that. And when I was reading on your site about um, your loss, I'm so sorry. It just It's so horrible. Um to lose someone to cancer and it, how much of you is actually in hope in that book? 
So not actually, not too much. Um, the, I gave her, you know, I used my experience with grief and with living in a small town and understanding grief through that lens. Mm-hmm. But then that's kind of where the similarities end. I wasn't quite ready to write my story in that way. So Hope and I are right. very different in key ways, which mm-hmm. made it easier to separate it. So I could make, I could give her hard things without feeling like I was giving them to myself. Right. Without opening wounds all over again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and what was the uh, inspiration? I mean, obviously the, the grief plot line came from your own life, but where did the story come from? You know, you have magical realism going on and second chance love story. Where, where did the inspiration for it come from? So I wanted to write, I kept, before I started this story, I kept for whatever reason getting, picking books up randomly and they would always have a young widow in the book. And none of them were done quite right. That widow, that young widow experience wasn't captured the way that I thought the reality of it was. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to incorporate some of that. And then after my husband died, something that I did start to do was kind of look for these little bits of magic, look for these little bits of synchronicities in the universe. So then I wanted to pull that into the story too, to share that with readers or people going through similar difficult things. I love that. And when you were coming up and like developing the idea, this is your first book. Did you always want to write a book or did the book come grab you and make you write it? I always wanted to write a book. Since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a writer. And then I actually left the workforce after my son was born. He's my second. And I said to Matt, my husband, I said, you know what? I'm a stay-at-home mom now, but I need to do something else. I'm going to turn back to writing. And he hadn't hadn't read one word of my writing. And he said, you're going to be awesome. I support you. Like, this is going to be a bestseller. So, there's something nice in it because he was my very first cheerleader. Like mm-hmm. he was ready to, you know, he was ready to hire the publicist and the editor before I'd even started a book. So <laughs> this book, you know, though, so it took me, it was like a little bit of a learning curve to write, to learn how to write a novel, different kind of writing um, to get to here. But I always wanted to write. I love that. And what did that uh, journey look like for you? Like you wrote articles and things, but the journey to a novel, did you go take classes? Did you join a writer's group? How did all that come to be? I think I had to, I had to find my voice first. So the first novel I wrote was a YA paranormal. It actually got picked up by an independent press. And then I ended up not signing the deal because I kind of knew in my heart this is not my best piece of writing. After that one, I turned to domestic thrillers. I thought I would write in that genre, but my voice never quite clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But between each novel I ended up, I took writing classes. I took uh, classes about querying. I took classes about the publishing industry. So each time I could tell I was finding my voice getting learning the process, learning what a book should look like from beginning to end. So it was definitely a learning learning curve. Yeah. Oh, I love that because 
I a couple I was super lucky a couple I got to meet Ray Bradbury a couple of times before he died wow. and he could make you cry about talking about writing he was so passionate about the written word but he believed that writing was the hardest of all of the arts because in school they teach you to write a sentence and he said so everyone who finishes enough sentences to be a book thinks it's ready to be published because you wrote correct grammar and he said but you're not a storyteller yet and he said he believed you had to write like 600,000 or something of junk words before you actually become a storyteller <laughs> and and I got my start writing short stories so I wrote a gajillion of them and I think that it's really true you have to fill up a hard drive with stuff that's not quite ready you know, because you are finding your voice, you are figuring it out. And I don't think that the books are a waste of time. They're all your stepping stones to get where you're supposed to go, right? That's absolutely how I think of those books that I hope no one ever reads at this point. But (laughs) I do think they were part of the process and they needed to happen. Yeah, and you were trying genres, figuring out, you know, which one, where you shine and what, you know, what speaks to you most. And um, I think that that's, it's, I mean, it has to happen for you to really get down to, you know, which story you were meant to tell, you know? Yeah, oh, I love that way of putting it to which story you were meant to tell. Yes, 100% true. Because we could write anything, but some of them feel hard and some of them feel like this. This is where I'm supposed to be, right? That's exactly how it felt when I finished this book. I, I kind of, I just had this really good feeling of this is, this is something special. Whether it'll go anywhere, this is something special. I love that. And then did you get an agent for it? How exciting was it when you finally got that call? So the interesting thing is I actually got an agent who I'm working with now for the book I wrote right before Midnight Garden. She signed me and she said, okay, this book needs a fair amount of work, but let's work together. Ultimately, we couldn't get it to a point where she thought it was quite right for the market. So I shelved that book and started working on the Midnight Garden. Oh, love that. And when you turned in this one, was she like, here it is? (laughs) Yeah, she was like, oh, yeah, this this works. I think she had like three small like, oh, let's consider this, which made the book even stronger and it was ready to go. I love that. And when when this book started to go out um, to early readers and things, did were you surprised by certain things that people really connected with? Oh, absolutely. I think the most interesting response has been a number of readers, um, strangers to me. There's a character named Maeve. She's the one who kind of brings in that magical realism element. There's a call for her story now, for her story next. And we want to know more about Maeve. What's her backstory? What's her, does she oh, get her I love own it. ending? Yeah, which has been the most surprising. And are you thinking about it? I am now. I'm almost done with another, a draft of a different novel, so I'm going to focus on that. But then I do want to turn my attention to really thinking through Maeve's story to give her, give her her own beginning and ending. Yay. So you heard that, readers. If you are excited about that, be sure to let Elaine know so that she stays fired up to write that other book. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. 
Are you a big time plotter or do you just write by the seat of your pants? My first few books were just by the seat of my pants. Now, um, it, it, there is, I kind of, I plot and I start writing and then I go back and change the plot to, uh, you know, so it's a little bit of both. Oh, okay. As the story takes me in a different direction, I'll start, go, I'll let it go in that direction, but I'll kind of go back and think through where I'm writing. And what were, did you have any surprises when you were writing this book where you're like, uh-oh, where are you guys going? And then it was the right thing? There was a point I had, there was a point where um, they ended up at an amusement park. I was like, well, okay, what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> um, and it's actually, it ended up, it's now one of my, favorite scenes the way that it ended up working out and I brought in some elements it was something that I had you know when you're late night online looking at nonsense Mm -hmm. it was something I had read late night online that I guess had stuck in my brain that came into the book and yeah so it ended up now it's one of my favorite scenes in the book I love that yeah I'm I'm mostly a seat of my pants I usually know the beginning and the ending and I'm not really sure how I'm going to get there and I write in the series so I kind of know you know who needs to get screen time because they're going to be next or whatever but for me it is always those surprises that are like the best parts of the book for me where I'm like wait a minute I thought we were going and they're like nah we're going over here Well, and I think that's like, that's the fun part of it, because if I feel like if I'm writing it and I'm a little bit bored, if I haven't surprised myself, then readers will feel the same way. Yes, for sure. And, and really you need a reason to get back to the keyboard. And for me, if it's over plotted, I, it turns into a term paper. I already know what's going to happen. So, (laughs) you know, then for me, my brain does not work that way. Yes, I that I actually agree with that. It's more fun to see where you're going to go organically. Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as the the touching on grief in the book, um, were you able to make the young widow be, you know, more realistic from your experience? I hope so. Um, a couple of widows that I know are currently reading the book. They're about halfway through. So I'm curious to hear what they'll say. I think the ultimately grief is and young widowhood, it's such a different experience for everyone that it's hard to capture everybody's experience. Right. But there are a few key markers and that many young widows hear like, oh, you'll, you'll get married again. Oh, like everything happens for a reason, you know, some of that. Oh. So I did want to feel like, how does it feel to respond to that? How does it feel to hear those statements? So I, right. I hope I captured that part. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank uh, you. I know people mean it, well, but sometimes the things that get said, you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's such a funny, I mean, not funny, but it, it is a very interesting world that people will just say to you and they think they're being helpful. So it's hard to, I mean, you're allowed to be mad, but. Right. I remember right. at my husband's shiva, I think someone said to me like, oh, you're young, you're cute, you'll be fine. I was like, huh, <laughs> not the time. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I remember that, um, I lost my mom to cancer in 2019 and it, I had been so angry through most of it just because she had cancer twice when I was much younger. Um, She was like only 30. I remember when I turned 30, I thought, oh, my God, my mom was a baby. Um, You know, so she had it when she was 30 and 32. And that was back in the 80s when cancer treatment was horrible. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, she was like a skeleton. Anyway, she lived Um, through it all. And mm -hmm. so for like... I think 30, 33 years, we had, cancer was the rearview mirror. And then suddenly there's the stage four lung cancer and my mom never smoked. So I was so angry and I spent most of the cancer treatments and things. My mom was amazing and I did my best to, you know, I took her to all of her treatments and all that. And I was always positive, but deep down, I just had this, you know, boiling anger that cancer was so horrible to do this again and and somebody after she had passed I mean she lived much longer than um, I think the the statistic they gave us was that uh, 75% die within six months of the diagnosis and you know she Mm -hmm. made it for over two years so, but somebody, and I know it must have been well-intentioned, but she had passed away and somebody goes, you got so much extra time. You must be so grateful. <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, I should have like, had 20 more years. Right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm in the bitterness point of this and <laughs> I should have had 20 years and you're telling me I must be so grateful because I got two. I'm just like right so yeah I get that people I mean I'm sure they were trying to help but I just thought really I'm sure they're trying to think of something comforting to say and it's it's Mm -hmm. so hard even as someone who's been through grief and I'm you know not been through it but who's experienced that kind of deep grief even sometimes I don't know what to say to people right I know I know not to say that Right. Yeah, you must be grateful. Um, <laughs> no, actually, no, not at all. <laughs> but thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what would you say? I I was looking at. I think it was the the People article that they wrote about about you and and your experience, and they said something like one percent of widows are under age thirty nine. And, mm-hmm. um, and I thought about that, that's such a, uh, a lonely number. Were you able to find people who went through something similar? Did you find support, you know, or did you have to go through this all alone? When I, when Matt died, um, I took the kids to a grief group and there was one for the parents. And in that one, it was, I was the youngest one. It didn't mesh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really was going through it alone at that point. But then, I mean, unfortunately in this world, the last couple of years, now I have a, a network of also young widows who are my age, whose husbands passed away from a variety, like a couple of different cancers. I mean, it's terrible, but it's like now we all sort of have each other and it's really right. a comforting thing. 
Yeah, because the the difference is, uh, I'm sure Hope goes through it in the book too, but, you know, you can't mourn for the rest of your life, but then there's the guilt of moving on and also the excitement of moving on and trying to balance, you know, how balance that I would think would be difficult and to get it on the page would be really, I mean, was that hard? It, it was just because it's such a nuanced thing. And, you know, like I said, it's so different for everyone. So what my experience is, and you don't want to minimize on either side. You don't want to minimize the grief and you don't want to minimize the difficulty in moving forward and the joy of moving forward and how hard it is to move forward. So it's definitely, it was a challenge that I, I want to say the word enjoyed. I'm not sure if it's the right word, but... <laughs> That it felt meaningful, and it was one that I wanted to tackle and take on, and I hope I get to continue kind of find, finding the words for that space. Yeah, and I love that you had um, also included, like, you know, a second chance kind of at romance or love or something, because so often um, books that I've read where someone has grief, that is the you know, that is the the focus is this loss mm-hmm. and picking up the pieces afterwards. And you don't often get to see that, you know, that next next chapter. Um, so was that, um, I don't want to say, was that hard too? But, but <laughs> how did you handle her finding love again? It was almost natural that, you know, that I wanted her, I wanted her to kind of be in this space when she starts the book of that she's afraid to move on. She doesn't even know if she deserves to because she had this thing in the past. So I wanted her to find happiness and I wanted her to work through what that means, you know, and so many people have so many ideas of young widows too, of when you should date, when you shouldn't date. Right. You, you know, is it betraying your person? Is it not? Would they want you? Would they be happy? So, you know, I definitely, it was, I almost want to say fun to incorporate that into it, that experience, because it's not talked about that often, because there are so few young widows to really give that story life. Right. And everyone's so opinionated, even when it's not their own grief about how it should be handled, you know, And, and really, it's not really any of your business. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But did she have that in the book? Oh, she does. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, I definitely, I exaggerated, I gave, I exaggerated my story, but it's pretty true to, true to life. (laughs) Well, I wanted to also ask if it's not a spoiler, um, what is the Midnight Garden? Oh, I don't think that's a spoiler. It's, okay. um, I hope not. Uh, it's <laughs> Maeve. It, Maeve is the woman who, she comes into town, half the town thinks she's kind of a grifter, that she's trying to, you know, take advantage of the vulnerable people in town. Half the town thinks that she's a woman who can kind of connect you to people who've passed, who can make teas that make you feel more courageous or feel this, you know, anxiety that you have. Right. So the Midnight Garden is this garden that Maeve has next to her, next to where she's living. 
And it's, there are a variety of flowers and plants, but in the center of the garden, there's what she calls the midnight flowers, and they bloom on full moons in, at midnight. Oh, I love that. And that's, some of the, and that's some of the magical, you know, it's not too magical, not too fantasy, so, but it's kind of like that real world. I think I had actually read that there were flowers that bloom at night, and that inspired the idea. Oh, I love that. And I, I was going to ask, too, um, if that idea, you know, did that percolate in your head for a while or did it or did Maeve just step in and go, why, hello? Maeve just appeared. <laughs> she sounded she, like that. <laughs> she, yeah, she, de- she demanded to get a story and to be a central part of the story. <laughs> And have you ever, are you a gardener? Are you into, you know, different flowers and things? Or did you have to become one writing the book? (laughs) (laughs) I am, unfortunately, the worst gardener. My mother-in-law is excellent at flowers, so any information I got from her and from Google. (laughs) But I, unfortunately, can kill any flower that comes into the house. It's a skill. (laughs) I can relate. I have that same thing. And my grandmother (laughs) could save anything. So she could Mm -hmm. not figure out how I could kill these things. And she kept giving me plants going, this one's impossible to kill. And then I would give it back to her as a little husk. And she'd go, how is this possible? (laughs) But, you know, some of us just don't have that gift. (laughs) So I, I, and it is a gift. I don't know. I do have, my mother-in-law did give me a spider plant, I think they're called. Um, mm-hmm. which I've had now for more than 10 years that I have not killed. It, it really, <gasps> it actually might be impossible to kill. <laughs> it, no, I really I do think one this, of those. this plant might be magical. <laughs> you might be developing gifts. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, well, I wanted to ask you, who inspires you? Our listeners are always looking to add to their to-be-read list. Are you a big reader? Who do you read that you're like, oh, my gosh, I need to go get to the keyboard and write something? Oh, I'm, I love reading. Um, and in, in a variety of genres, the YA paranormal romance, the romanticy, I think they're calling it these days, domestic mm-hmm. thrillers. Um, but in terms of authors, my two favorites are Alice Hoffman and Taylor Jenkins Reid. Mm-hmm. And her oh. Taylor Jenkins Reid specifically, I think she to watch her writing career. I read her very, I read her debut novel, and I've read everything since. And it is, I mean, I I just love her. I think she's a stunning writer, and her development has been incredible to see. Oh, that's so cool! And Alice Hoffman is practical magic, right? She's Practical Magic, yeah, and that's part of a series, actually, so she wrote the prequels, I believe, or they are. Oh, okay. That would be, I have never yeah. heard of the prequels, so I'll be adding that to my to-be-read list. Um, oh, they're <laughs> excellent. They're so good. They're so good. Oh, I love that. And what's next for you? You mentioned that you're finishing a book before Maeve. Can you tell us anything about it? It's, uh, it's going to be, this one will be a sister story. So I'll incorporate a little bit of magical realism, too. And that's, I don't have quite my elevator pitch worked out yet. So those are the, that's, okay. that's where I am so far. There'll definitely be a romance element. There'll be themes of overcoming challenging things and moving forward again, because it's something that interests me. Right. 
Right. Okay, fun. Well, do you have a newsletter for readers to sign up for on your website and so they can keep track of when the next book's going to come out? Unfortunately, I don't have a newsletter, um, but my Instagram is a great place to stay updated. Okay. I put, yeah, and I will include um, whenever I have new articles that come out for, that are you know relevant to um, writing or grief or solo parenting, I always post them onto there too. Oh, I love that. And are you, um, I was, I was going to ask you, are you having, um, I don't want to ask you something long because we're running out of time, but um, <laughs> I'll answer short. <laughs> okay, good. Um, as far as magic moments, are you finding them in your life now that you're, you know, I, I know grief never really goes away, but are you able to find all of these magic moments in your own life? A hundred percent. I'll give one quick example. Um, Bluebirds play a big role in the Midnight Garden. And the day that I sent my book to my agent, I knew it was something special. In the middle of New Jersey in February, a bluebird landed on the tree right in front of the window where I was working. (gasps) Oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. So I was, Yep, and that's my, so I definitely believe in that kind of little magic in the world. Yes, little winks from the universe. I love that. Exactly, exactly. Ah, well, it has been so much fun chatting with you, and everyone go out and grab The Midnight Garden. It sounds like a phenomenal book. I can't wait to read it, and I'm so happy for you. Have fun. Enjoy your debut book. (laughs) Thank you so, so much. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.